The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is July 28th, 7 p.m. in New York. Very late, it feels like. Ready to go, as always. I'm very excited because I am leaving to go on vacation Saturday morning. One more work day to suffer through. (laughs) You're nearly there. You nearly made it. So when you guys are listening to this, I'll be on the beach, hopefully. Even though last year when I went, it rained literally the whole time. So fingers crossed for me. Say a prayer, everyone. If you surely, surely it can't happen two, two years in a row. <laughs> That's what I'm telling myself, but the weather so far says differently. Mm, fingers crossed. Um, it also just reminded me, I don't know if I'll leave this in the podcast, but just remind me to tell you. Someone messaged and I answered them, so I don't know if you saw it. They're like, also, what kind of animal um, is Elmo? I think I like missed that, but I really want to know because I hear you guys talking about him. And I was like, he's an echidna. Oh, I still haven't seen him. He hasn't come back. I think that's it for the winter, but hopefully he'll be back after. He is an echidna for anyone who missed it, like a little hedgehog thing, marsupial. Yeah, I feel like they might be slightly bigger than a hedgehog, but yeah, not still I think very so. small, yeah. Small, but bigger than a hedgehog. Yeah. Um, weather update, it's still hot as hell here. How about you? <laughs> it's actually been nice and not rainy for a little while, but it's blue, like not a cloud in the sky, but it is very fresh. So I don't know. I think like I know I, th- I feel like I've said before too that our seasons actually start and finish at different times. Ours go by calendar months, so the end of August will be – the end of winter here but I feel like you guys start things kind of halfway through the month only because I remember when we got to America I think June 21 was that the official start yeah of your it's summer. always around either like the 21st of some yeah. of them or the 25th yeah like I think spring and fall are on the 21st of June and September and then like winter and summer no I mean spring no I don't know it's so strange <laughs> hurting my brain how it's not uniform like you think everyone in the world has the same seasons obviously you know obviously reversed but like you think that it will just all be starting and finishing on the same time I know I like I think spring technically starts here at the end of March I think the end of March but it's like it I always forget because it's still cold here in New York literally till like May yeah, so here I think the start of March, like li- literally 1st of March is the start of autumn or fall. So then we have March, April, May, autumn, June, July, August, winter, August, September, October, spring here. So That's kind of like ours but flipped and starting at the end of the months. Yes, very confusing. <laughs> you must yeah. think I'm so dumb. Like I don't even remember when the seasons start. Listen, it's 7 o'clock here. I just worked all day. I've been packing. I'm like ready to go on vacation. I'm just like I'm not thinking you. about seasons. I didn't tell you I was going to ask when the seasons start and finish. Listen, it's Oregon. I got it. <laughs> it's Oregon um. and Murdoch. But um, yeah, so no, it's meant to be nice. Like it's Friday morning here and bright and early. I think we've been recording since around 8.30 a.m. my time. So I am off after this on a girls weekend with three Ooh. of my cousins into Sydney, which will be fun. But yeah, the weather's looking nice, hopefully cold, but nice. That's good. At least it'll be nice, hopefully. Yes. Another thing I wanted to remember to say, like total subject change, but I don't want to forget to say it, is 
I posted about this, and by the time this episode comes out, it probably won't really matter, but for future reference, right now I think we're shadow banned, like we got in trouble for something stupid. I was um, going to say on Instagram, but I also think our Facebook page is probably permanently Our Facebook page banned. is always shadow banned, always. <laughs> yeah. Our Facebook pages, Facebook groups are always shadow banned. It's so hard to do anything, like any sort of hobby, because I see other groups posting this too, like it's not just because we're true crime, and like half the time the stuff we get in trouble for doesn't even have to do with true crime, it's just their dumb rules. For anyone who doesn't know what shadow banning means, basically mm-hmm. it means that your page and everything, like your our Facebook page and our Instagram account is what we're referring to now, but they're still active and people can still see them, but they don't, they make it hard for people to find it, so it doesn't they show like up suffocate in- you. It doesn't show up in search unless you go through a thousand layers to find it and they just basically, it's kind of like a slap on the wrist for something. I don't, I don't know what. They don't tell like us Like we're what. probably not showing up in like your algorithm. Like if yeah. we used to be yeah. at the top, we might not be anymore Yeah, until we're out of trouble. Yeah. But anyways, so if you ever feel like we're gone or like not seeing us as much, just type in our full name into the search, like literally the whole thing, True Crime Society, and then hit the little search magnifier because we still won't come up when you type in the whole name. Other things will come up with different names, but not us. (laughs) When you hit search with the little magnifying glass to see all the options, then we'll come up. Yeah. So like one of the things we got in trouble, it is. It's so, it makes me so irritated because I'm like, you want people to like use your platform, Instagram, Facebook, Meta, but you smother someone over the dumbest shit like we got in trouble for and i disputed it when the last mall shooting happened we just posted a picture of the guy like his mugshot not mugshot like his license picture that they put everywhere and it flagged us for promoting dangerous groups or something so we disputed it and it said that we were right we weren't promoting dangerous organizations but it's like still does that flag count against us I feel like it definitely would. Like there's no – I feel like once Same. it's flagged, even if they reverse their decision on the image or whatever it was, the content, I feel like it still stays. They're well, because then we got flagged again like yesterday very mm. quickly after being flagged the first time. That's ridiculous. And I, I the other thing that gets me too is that there's no – which I know this is a dumb rant, but there's no accountability. Like there's no way no. to go on there and say, okay, yeah, you are shadow banned for 10 days. Or like if you actually – You have you no were, idea. And if you were a business that relied on this, like for us, we just post, you know, in, things of interest. But for anyone who actually has a business trying to work on these platforms, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And who knows how long it'll really like affect you in the algorithm. Like maybe yeah. you won't always be shadow banned, but maybe you won't be like pushed as much as other people will, especially since we're not making reels. Because what the fuck am I going to make reels about? <laughs> Anyway, today you also posted that you can make like add the true crime society account to your favorite so maybe we'll mm-hmm. highlight that so you can always see it if you want to know how to do that so you'll always see it then regardless of if we're shadow banned or not yeah it's just crazy i was gonna say this is the other thing that annoys me since while we're ranting here for a minute <laughs> I've, there's so many times where people have said like wildly inappropriate, racist, misogynist, terrible things on Instagram and I'll report, same on Facebook and I'll report it and you get back a message immediately or like almost immediately. It's like due to the pandemic and not having a lot of staff on hand, we use our automatic robots to look at this and we've decided from this that it's probably not against our community standards. I'm like, oh, someone saying like the N word or like saying like terrible things about women it doesn't go against your community standards. I'm pretty sure it does. And I'm pretty it's, sure your robots suck. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's out of control. Yeah. Anyways, now that I'm all fired up. <laughs> um, 
so this episode, now that I'm done ranting, we'll <laughs> get on with it. I feel like sometimes people like like when we're a little crazy, a little <laughs> sassy. So hopefully you had your your taste. Um, this episode, I know we just is going to be about vacation nightmares. I know we just did a vacation nightmares, but we decided whenever we go on vacation, well, sometimes maybe we're going to do a vacation themed <laughs> episode because there's so many crazy vacation stories. Like we we're mm-hmm. saying last time, like people let their guard down, people try to party harder do more stuff, do things they wouldn't normally do. So it seems like there's always just like vacation nightmares. So we're going to do that again. Um, And then at the end, of course, right when we recorded the podcast about um, Christina, Chrissy Lee Powell, the woman who was missing after being caught in her ring doorbell, they found her deceased. So I put a clip of that in the last episode, but we'll talk more about what's come out since then at the end of this episode. So don't worry, we didn't forget that one. I know a lot of you have been asking, like, if we're going to talk more about it, we are at the end when we normally talk about updates. So the first kind of vacation nightmare that we're going to discuss today is the case of Atsumi Yoshikubo. Atsumi was a 45-year-old Japanese psychiatrist and she traveled to Canada alone in 2014. She traveled so that she could see the Northern Lights and her home city in Japan was Yuto. So she traveled to the city of Yellowknife, which is a very popular tourist destination for Japanese travelers. There's a common folk belief that a child conceived under the Aurora Borealis will be blessed with good luck and health. 20% of the city's total visitors come from Japan. Many of the cafes and the restaurants um, in the city offer menus in both English and Japanese, which kind of accommodates for all these tourists. So Atsumi arrived in Yellowknife on the 17th of October 2014 and she checked into the Explorer Hotel. It's kind of unusual to me, but for someone who was very highly educated, she was a psychiatrist, she didn't seem to have researched her trip very thoroughly. She arrived in the off-season and she found that many of the tourist attractions were closed for that season. The snowfall in October and November in the area is light, which means that the cover is too thin for dog sledding, which I think is what a lot of tourists go there to do. It also makes the trails in the area swampy and hard to get through. So she arrived on the 17th of October and there's CCTV footage of her shopping in a souvenir shop on October 19, so two days after she arrived. She can be seen wearing a pink coat and a pink hat. It's kind of one of those last images type things. She's smiling, looks like she's got long dark hair, um, talking to the you know, cashier, I guess, there. She was in the store twice on the 19th of October. She bought a number of items, which presumably were souvenirs that she was going to take home. The last known sighting of Atsumi was on October 22nd, 2014. She was seen on the CCTV of her hotel leaving the building in the morning. She was wearing the same clothes on this day that she'd been wearing in the souvenir shop a few days earlier. So that was the pink coat and the pink hat, which looks like it's got kind of a flower on the top. She was spotted by an RCMP police officer at around 11.30am on that day. She was seen hiking on the Ingraham Trail. The officer didn't really think anything of the sighting at the time and only realised later that the person um, was Atsumi. Three days after she left the hotel, staff finally entered her room after she failed to check out. Her luggage was neatly packed, a report was filed and it was discovered that she'd never made her flight back home. Police started a large search for Atsumi. On November 4, the RCMP called off their search and said they believed that she may have travelled to the area to take her own life, which kind of makes sense if she went to an area in off-season, like you would wonder why she would have done that. Yeah, because that wasn't like the the end goal really. Yeah, well, yeah, that kind of makes it a little bit more, you know, 
Makes sense. They also stated that she had, quote, taken steps to avoid detection, but they never elaborated on what those steps were. Sumi was allegedly estranged from her family at the time, but they said that she they doubted she wanted to take her life and pointed out that she'd packed up her bags as if she planned to return home. According to the National Post, a suicide note was also found back in Japan. It says, a suicide note had surfaced in Japan in the possession of a woman friendly with Miss Yoshikubo. Kenji Yoshikubo, who's Atsumi's younger brother, acknowledged the note's existence, although he said he had not read it personally and still believed he would see his sister alive again. He asked why she would have bought then a round-trip plane ticket to Canada and jewellery from a gift shop. The RCMP officer who saw Atsumi also spoke to the media about the sighting of her on the day she disappeared. The officer said, I drove past her. I thought it might not be the best idea for her being alone. Um, the officer said that they considered turning around and going back to offer help, but decided against it. I thought it was only 11.30 a.m. She'll be okay. She looked like she was sightseeing and it was close to zero. It wasn't freezing cold. Her pink coat was knee length and she had on mittens and a hat. She was dressed for the temperature. I've read some media reports about this case that include an interview from Simon Hatcher, who's a professor of psychiatry at the University of Ottawa. He gave some possible motivations for Atsumi's trips. He said, most long wilderness sojourns are a form of temporary suicide from which people return feeling better. People who are suicidal can have this fantasy where they have a temporary escape or a temporary suicide. And maybe that way they will will stand out and someone will come along and save them. Maybe this was some form of this woman testing fate. Many people have asked why Atsumi would have kind of bothered to go so far to take her own life if, if that is what happened. Um, the director of the Toronto Suicide Prevention Centre gave an interview to The Post and said, sometimes people romanticise about how they can control their death and they become fixated on a place. Maybe this woman came to Canada to create some distance from her family and to spare them from it. So in September 2015, almost one year after Atsumi went missing, a hiker stumbled across her personal effects on the Ingraham Trail. They did more of a search and human remains were also found near the belongings. The remains were confirmed to be Atsumi in April 2016, but um, searchers only found bone fragments, so they couldn't conduct an autopsy. Um, The RCMP made a statement and it said, The RCMP conducted a search of the area and found sparse fragments of human bones. Police say the state of the scant remains made conducting an autopsy impossible and forensic testing was required to confirm the identity of the remains. In April of that year, so straight after the remains were found and identified, the RCMP closed the case and I'm assuming they labelled it as either suicide or misadventure. Um... It's an interesting one to me. Like I know that her brother said that why would she pack up all her things and buy things, but maybe she knew that, you know, her stuff would eventually be shipped back to Japan. She wanted to make it easy for whoever had to clean the room. So, yeah, I don't think it's particularly unusual that she kind of, um, I don't know, like tidied up her personal effects and made as little mess as possible. That that doesn't seem, like, you know, crazy to me that that's what she did. Well, even like the first, uh, like Jane and John Doe episode that we did, wasn't there another one where it was like her stuff was all like neatly in her hotel room, but then she like killed herself and people were like, well, why would she put away all her things? Even with that, um the one in, I can't remember, Seattle where she drank the cyanide, Mary Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Um, like I feel like it's just a way of being considerate. I don't know that, and I know I'm generalizing, but as a general rule, Japanese people are very clean and neat and tidy 
um you know i was just thinking that like if i was gonna like kill myself and this is like or even in any situation like if someone's like coming to your room like you don't want them to think you're a fucking slob (laughs) yeah exactly and you know obviously we don't i would like to know more about what this suicide note allegedly said um and, you know, when, when her brother questioned why she bought the round-trip ticket, I don't think that's odd. Maybe she wasn't 100% sure that she wanted to go through with it. Maybe she didn't want to, you know, arouse suspicion. Like people would be like, oh, well, when are you coming back? And, you know, ask yeah. details about it. So if she had the ticket, it doesn't matter to her if she's spending the money and she's not going to come back. Yeah, true. Um, I just feel like, you know, it could be suicide. I also feel like it could have been misadventure, but it does – from what I've read, things do point to it being a suicide. Her traveling to an area in off season, you know, traveling a long way, it, you know, and even the souvenirs, she might have known that they would be shipped back to whoever um, back in Japan eventually. So, yeah, that's true. And, you know, we also don't know what was going on in her life at the time. Maybe something happened while she was there. You know, she could have had a text or an emails or, you know, something just could have pushed her over the edge and maybe she just decided, yeah, okay, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. I don't think it's weird to, like, travel to if you were wanting to kill yourself and, like, already knew that was what you wanted to do, if there's, like, a place you wanted to see or something. Plus then, like, I guess this is burden the family in a different way because they don't believe that she committed suicide. But it's, like... If I know people who are suicidal have mentioned like they don't want their family to like find their body and things like that. And also if she was estranged from her family, maybe she just wanted to die in a beautiful place or a place that she'd always wanted to go. Like if she had no ties and no um didn't feel any kind of responsibility to her family, why not do it somewhere that is going to make her, you know, happy in the end or she would have enjoyed the last few days? Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, a very interesting one, that one. The next one we're going to talk about is a pretty recent one. You might have seen it in the news. It's about Christy Chen Dawson and her new husband. This happened on their honeymoon, um, Bradley Dawson. More questions than answers this morning in a luxury vacation turned nightmare for two American newlyweds. 36-year-old Christy Chen found dead in her Fiji hotel room. Her new husband, 38-year-old Bradley Dawson, now charged in her murder. News of investigators charging the Tennessee man rattling the South Pacific Island community where the couple was vacationing. Public records show the Memphis area couple tied the knot in February. The Turtle Island Resort confirming the two were guests at the all-inclusive luxury resort. Authorities still trying to piece together how the couple's trip to paradise allegedly turned to horror. American Bradley Dawson, he is 39. He is accused of murdering his wife, Christy Chen, while they were on their honeymoon in Fiji. Um, Bradley and Christy lived in Memphis, Tennessee, and they were married on February 18th, 2022. So five months they were married for before all this happened. Yeah, so it wasn't like an immediate right after the wedding honeymoon. They were married for a couple months, then went. Christy, she was currently working as a pharmacist at Kroger, and Bradley worked as an IT specialist for um, a nonprofit organization called Youth Villages, and it says it was dedicated to helping children with emotional and behavioral problems and their families live successfully. So we couldn't find any social media for Bradley, but Christy has a private Instagram and a public Facebook. There wasn't too much on there, but it does say that um, her name is now Christy Dawson, her married name. So there's some wedding pictures online. Looks like typical wedding pictures, nice mm-hmm. wedding dress. Nice flowers. They're He's wearing smiling like at each other. Navy suit. Got a glass of champagne each. They look happy. They look just like typical newlyweds, really. They look like they're going to touch noses. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, just kind of looks like a typical wedding picture. Nothing that would make you be like, hmm, he's hmm. going to murder her. <laughs> One acquaintance who knew Christy professionally, she told the Daily Beast, it was some kind of whirlwind romance. Um, it seems like they plan their wedding in under a month. The wedding planner wrote in a now deleted Facebook post. Thank you to all the amazing vendors who helped us put this gorgeous little ceremony together in just 26 days. Um, there, thank you, Brad and Christy, for trusting us. Hashtag Bella Baxter events with your special day. So it seems like it was a whirlwind romance, like the co-worker said. They put the ceremony together in 26 days. So it makes you wonder why, like, what, what was the rush? I don't know. Yeah. When they, like, I'd love to know more about the backstory about when they actually met, how they met. That all hasn't come out yet, but hopefully it will eventually. Yeah. And it was, it was such a rush that a lot of Christie's friends and family didn't even meet Bradley until the day of the wedding. They told media that, like, a lot of them hadn't even met him before until they were getting married. So it just makes you wonder what was going on. What the on rush there. was. Yeah. Um, according to the Daily Beast, says, at their wedding reception, guests dined on Caesar salad with Parmesan croutons to start, followed by teat filet steak or sautéed shrimp in brown butter. According to video from the event obtained by the Daily Beast, there was wedding cake for dessert and the happy couple seemed to be over the moon. The photographer that they hired for the event posted on her Instagram page, which was then taken down, but at the time it said, yesterday, Christy and Brad were given a gorgeous spring day to celebrate their nuptials among their closest family and friends at the beautiful James Lee house. Christy and Brad's joy radiated all over their faces and was so much fun to capture. I've seen like they've reached out to the wedding planner for comment things like that which is a bit ridiculous because yeah like what's she gonna say and she's not gonna say anything that's gonna hurt her business anyway and even like let's just say for example she thought bradley was controlling or whatever like she's not gonna say that she's yeah yeah i guess people are just reaching because it was such a unexpected thing to happen yeah like when your business is involved you don't want to be like Mm -hmm. getting into all that i mean obviously they would you'd want them to tell the police in a police investigation which i think they would but like the, not the Daily Beast to publish. <laughs> um, so the couple headed to Fiji in July 2022. They checked into the Turtle Island Resort on July 7, 2022. And the resort is very exclusive. Um, according to the resort's website, it says, Experience pure indulgence, relaxation, and romance in one of the most sought-after destinations in the world. This truly all-inclusive island is home to only 14 couples at a time. The breathtaking panoramas of the renowned Blue Lagoon and neighboring islands can be seen from your spacious Fijian villa. Gentle winds carry the scent of tropical flowers through the resort and the warm waters at our 12 private beaches, beckoning you to relax on your vacation. The cuisine prepared with fresh seafood from local waters and fruits and vegetables grown on the island is a culinary delight. The Paradise of Turtle Island Resort offers a cultural experience where you embrace this family, our gentle, engaging, noble hosts. Sounds like it's a pretty fancy place. There's only allowed to be 14 couples there at a time. There's no kids allowed either. I actually follow a blogger and she went there recently before this all happened. And like it, it does sound super exclusive. Like you get your own basically little um, fleet of staff. Like I think they, you know, they obviously treat you like your family, but you have basically like a butler, you know, anything you want you can have while you're there. Mm, my family would not treat me like that. <laughs> not that not there's anything wrong with my family but they would not be like treating me so luxuriously <laughs> um so i'm sure you're wondering what 
does all of this cost? Well, there are some posts saying that it would have been around 3.5k per night to stay at the resort. So very costly. She is a pharmacist, so. But plus, like I know I've been to Fiji because here from here to Fiji, it's only like a four-hour flight. So it's very close. But like I know it would be so expensive for them to get to Fiji, plus then you have to get transfers to the island, might be included in the cost, I don't know. But yeah, it's definitely not a budget or a cheap honeymoon. No, I mean, that's why they waited six months to go. Mm -hmm. The couple only had two days at the resort before it all went wrong. So on July 9th, their personal butler went to their bungalow and found a do not disturb sign on their door. They then failed to turn up to lunch. And at that point, their butler, who personally cleaned their bungalow, used a spare key to unlock the door. The butler, known as House Papa, for some reason, (laughs) discovered Christy lying in a pool of blood on the bathroom floor around midday. We've read that the butler originally started cleaning and tidying the rest of the room before he noticed the blood stain, so he probably didn't notice her right away. Um, and then he went to investigate further and found her allegedly beaten to death. Employees at the resort alerted police, and they began searching for Bradley, who was nowhere to be found. He was eventually found the next day, July 10th, around 3 p.m. on Matakawa Levu. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> I would Matakawa Levu. Yeah. On Matakawa Levu Island, about 1.2 miles across the water from Turtle Island. It's believed he got there via kayak, so kind of weird. <laughs> Another local told Daily Mail that Bradley told him that he used a kayak to paddle to the island between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. Not suspicious at all. Yeah. Um, on Saturday morning after having a fight with Christy, the local said, but he landed on a secluded beach and I don't know what he was doing after that. He told Daily Mail that Bradley was bruised and bleeding from his palms and feet, injuries that may have been caused from falling onto nearby coral or from fighting with your wife. Yes. Bradley also appeared disturbed, so the local guy offered him some water and help. Um, He said, at first he kept refusing food and water, insisting he was okay, but I insisted he had some water. And after that, he said, please, I need to call the police. He said that Bradley was drunk at the time. He said he didn't tell us he killed his wife, but I could still smell alcohol on him. He continued to repeat, quote, we had a fight and offered no start or end to that story. Just kept saying we had a fight. Bradley was taken into custody and he retained a lawyer named Iqbal Khan. His lawyer said that Bradley was so distraught that he couldn't speak for days after his arrest. He told the Daily Mail something surprising happened. Bradley's okay now, but he was really distressed when it happened. Last week, he was in a desperate condition, but he's picking up now. It's a horrendous thing to happen on your honeymoon. The attorney has yet to see the full police report against Bradley or the postmortem results to reveal a cause of death, but he is convinced the murder charge will be thrown out. Um, He said, there's no way he can be convicted of murder. No way. Full stop. (laughs) I love the confidence. (laughs) He said, on the evidence that they have presented so far there's no proof of the charge of murder with the intention to kill or premeditation nothing of that sort whatsoever on the face of it it looks like an accident but i'll be able to confirm that once i get the full disclosure next week and get in front of other witnesses he also said i'm in touch with his mother in america all his family and friends are devastated because he was a nice quiet fellow he's never been involved with the law before and then this happened this is something new Police prosecutor Inspector Arvind Kumar sought the court's order for Bradley to provide his DNA sample because when a request was made, the accused refused to carry out the forensics tests. 
So Bradley did appear in court on Wednesday, which was the 27th of July. So just yesterday, essentially at the time of recording, he has been charged with murder. That charge has been upheld. Um, The court has now been adjourned until the 18th of August. It's going to be reviewed by the Director of Public Prosecutions, and you know, I guess we'll hear more then. One interesting fact that has also come out in the last few days is that Bradley was married before and he got married in 2019 in September in Fiji for his to his first wife. Um, they filed for divorce two years later, which was September 2021, um, he said because of irreconcilable differences, but they had no children and that their divorce was finalised on January 11 this year. So he was um, divorced January 11 and then he married Christy in February. Just like a weird story, like why the whirlwind romance, why did they get married right away? It seems, it just seems like shady on his part, especially since he was just married in 2019 and divorced already and is getting married again. And I've also seen some articles that say that, and obviously this isn't, um, you know, corroborated yet, but it's speculated that Christie's injuries were so bad that her family were unable to ship her body back to the US and they had to cremate her in Fiji so they could only take her ashes home. Her parents flew there after this all happened. Hmm. So, yeah, he, Bradley will be back in court on August 18. So this will be an ongoing thing. I would be surprised if he is freed. I think that he will surely be jailed in Fiji for I don't know what they're like he, I've read that he does face life in prison there. You know, obviously yeah, I'm assuming it's Fiji a different they're, process. They're tougher. Yeah. And a diff- and especially because this would be damaging to their tourism, which I'm pretty sure is the major industry in Fiji. Yeah, that's what I listened to another podcast where they were talking about this and one of the podcasters, like her sister, is a defense attorney and they were saying how the defense will try to like blame it on someone else or try to like blame something else but Fiji won't want that because they don't want people to be afraid to like go to Fiji and like think it's not safe and also yeah I'm, I'm assuming that they want to make it clear that it was the husband who did it if he did do it and that it wasn't you know any anything that anyone needs to worry about in terms of like a local or someone else being involved or like an employee like the butler yeah. like yeah. The resort, the Turtle Island Resort, have issued a statement. We, they said, we can confirm an incident took place between a married couple on July 9, resulting in a tragic outcome and charges being laid. We cooperated with the authorities during the investigation and police left the island over a week ago. It is our understanding that charges have been filed. Our highest priority is the safety and concern for our guests and team, both of who we value as family and we're extremely saddened by the event. So that's that for that one that. for now. Yeah, I'd love – like I've, I've read some articles too that say they had been heard arguing at dinner. Um, I just – I guess, you know, it happens sometimes that all of a sudden alcohol, it sounds like he was drunk, things just escalate to a point where they absolutely get out of control. And essentially all it takes is one blow to the head. Yeah, but what you said is true. It was more than that. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, hopefully we hear more. All right, so when I was researching the Christie and Bradley case, I actually remembered another case from Fiji, which I know this is making Fiji sound horrible, but it's not. It's such a lovely place. Definitely go there if you get the chance. But um, <laughs> it was about two Americans named David and Michelle Paul, and they died in Fiji in 2019. Family and friends of Michelle and David Paul say the couple had been planning their dream vacation to Fiji for some time. They're very excited because they've never been in this place. 
Michelle, a former student athlete, and David, an Air Force veteran, apparently falling ill just one day before they were expected to return home to Fort Worth, Texas. Michelle's father, Mark Kalinog, telling NBC News his daughter contacted him to say the couple wasn't feeling well and planned to go to a local clinic. Then the next day, they decided to go to the hospital. Both of them are experiencing the same kind of sickness. Despite medical care, their conditions worsened, dying a few days apart. Nobody has told me what was the cause of the death. And that's very hard for me. The couple were kind of avid travelers. This was pre-COVID as well. So they'd been recently to locations such as Cabo San Lucas and Hawaii. They had a two-year-old son together and they also had three other children to different partners. Media reports have said that they tried to take a vacation just as a couple once a year. So in May 2019, they boarded their dog and boarded, got on a plane for, to go to Fiji. They arrived on May 22nd and went to their hotel on Denaru Island. I believe they were staying at the Sheraton. I've actually stayed at the hotel right next door to that, which is the Radisson. It's a beautiful place. Um, Denaru is very close to the airport, so it makes it kind of an easy holiday. A lot of Fijian resorts are on islands, so you've got to get a plane and then another boat or a plane or a helicopter or something to get there. So Denaru is kind of a very main touristy area. There's probably 10 resorts kind of all in a row on the island. Um, so not remote. Um, yeah, very nice place though. Can tell that you're you're the traveler out of the two of us. <laughs> um, on May 23rd, David was messaging his mother photos from the holiday, and he told her the place they were staying in was quote very ca- calm. He said he wished his mother was there. Then the next day, May 24th, so only two days after they arrived. His mother, Marsha, said she got a message from him saying, we were at hospital all morning. We both caught a nasty virus. I've never thrown up so much in my whole life. I still feel pretty bad. So I believe on the 24th, they went to the clinic at around 8 a.m. There is a clinic on Denaru Island. It's just basically for tourists. Um, I don't know, like I know in Nandi, which is kind of the main town where you fly into, there would be a hospital, but it would be generally for locals so the the kind of clinic is aimed at tourists and would treat kind of minor things like you know a stomach flu like an or, urgent care yeah yeah basically so michelle was texting her own mother at the same time she said we are both going to the doctor now we have been throwing up for eight hours dave has diarrhea my hands are numb we will text when we can So the couple got treatment at the clinic and they returned to their hotel. And in saying that, it's probably five minutes down the road in a, you know, a a cab or like, I'm sure I've walked past the clinic before. It's not far. She said, we just got back from the clinic. They gave us fluids and an anti-nausea drip. They gave us electrolyte packets and anti-nausea pills. We still don't feel 100%. We're going to rest in our room. So Michelle's mother is Juliet and she responded back to Michelle saying to slow down and take care, drink a lot of fluid bottled water, you need to rest. Um, I know just kind of as a side note too, in Fiji, you can drink the water on Denaru Island because the resorts all have their own um, kind of water treatment facilities. I don't know about the rest of Fiji, what the water would be like, but I've drunk the water there. It's fine. Obviously you can drink bottled water, but Um, If you're staying at a resort, it's generally fine to drink the water there. Hmm. Um, David called his mother again on May 25. He told her that they had been sent back to their room and that Michelle was shaking and shivering. He said that he was too weak to take her back to the clinic, but he asked for a ride for Michelle. And when they got there, she couldn't breathe. And in the end, the doctors were unable to save her life. 
A nurse at the clinic spoke to the media about David and Michelle. She said they had symptoms similar to fever, such as vomiting, diarrhea, and weakness, and they were treated and wanted to go back to where they were staying. She said after they were put on a drip, they were taken back to their hotel at noon. So if they went there, they were there in the clinic for a few hours, it seemed, 8 a.m. to noon. At 5.30 p.m., though, the woman, as in Michelle, was brought back to the clinic after collapsing, but she had died by the time she arrived. David's sister, Rebecca, spoke to the media and said they couldn't get her an IV, couldn't revive her, and that's when she passed away. Not long after that, my brother ended up at the hotel, and later on that day, he went back to the hospital. He got released again, and we thought he would be able to come home. Rebecca also said we were hoping to see him in the next few days. The next thing we hear, he was back at the hospital with shortness of breath, and that was the last time we actually talked to him. David passed away two days later on May 27th. So Sheraton released a statement about the deaths on June 5, so about a week after they passed away. The statement said, after reporting feeling unwell, the guests were treated at the local medical facility where they subsequently passed away. Thoughts and prayers are with the family and loved ones of the deceased. As always, the well-being of our guests and associates remain our highest priority. We are working closely with the authorities as they investigate the matter. So there are some warnings or were at the time in place for kind of illnesses in Fiji. One of them was about meningococcal disease, also dengue fever and the Zika virus, which are kind of mosquito-borne viruses, were also active in the country. And they had other infectious diseases such as typhoid, hepatitis, tuberculosis, measles and mumps. The nurse we mentioned earlier spoke to the media again and said that she actually suffered similar symptoms after treating the couple and she was given medication and a drip. Two security guards, another nurse and a police officer were also taken to hospital under observation with similar symptoms. The Fijian Health Ministry made a statement. They said at this stage, for reasons out of patient confidentiality and out of respect to the family, we will not comment on the specific details of the investigation. So a bit of a non-statement. Yeah. Um, Fiji said that the investigation into the deaths was a priority and that they were working with the World Health Organization, the US Embassy, US Centers for Disease Control and Police Forensics in Fiji. Rebecca's father, Mark, spoke to the media and he said, I gave them instruction not to do any cremation until I'm satisfied because I would like the whole world to know if they died of infectious diseases. The CDC can confirm and tell Americans and other people that these are the issues you're going to face if you travel to Fiji. Be aware. So this all happened in 2019, and as far as I can tell, the causes of death for them have never been released. Um, When I was Googling again just to see if there was any update, I did find this comment in a discussion forum. It says, I work in the medical scene in New Zealand, which is quite close to Fiji. Nothing has ever been released, and it probably won't be. This is quite normal. In my department, there are WHO, which is World Health Organization Experts, who have done a lot of work and research in Fiji and have been involved in this case. All I can say is not to be worried and take the usual health and safety precautions. Obviously get comprehensive travel insurance. Um, He doesn't really go into what he thought it could be, but he just lists, you know, different things that have happened in Fiji and just that everyone should be aware when traveling. So this one is really puzzling to me. I can't figure out what it would be, um, that it would also make other people who would come in contact with them sick. I just, I don't know. It's very mysterious. I can't figure it out. It's also weird because the dad initially seemed very like hell bent on getting the answer out there. Like, does he not know still? Does he know and they told him not to say anything? Or, or maybe like, and obviously I don't know. It's just speculation. Maybe it was drug related. Um, and maybe that's why the family haven't made a big deal about it once they found out what it was. 
Yeah. Um, but if it was drug-related, would other people have gotten sick? I don't know. Like, I get, uh, like, I, like another thing is, like, I feel like Fiji is a family vacation place. Like, it's very quiet. There's not, you know, nightclubs and there's not many bars in that area especially. Like, it's not like, for instance, over, a lot of Australians travel to Bali, whereas Bali is kind of a more party spot. There's lots of lots of things to do, whereas Fiji is quiet. There's a few restaurants. Like, it's not something that you would think, like, their drinks would have been spiked, for example, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. And like even the comment said, several resorts have desalinated water. This is fine. Never had any problems. So that's the water I was talking about. I don't think it would be, you know, obviously you can get sick anywhere, but I feel like more people at the resort would have been sick if it was something like that. Yeah. It seems like they definitely got sick with something. And very sick very quickly. Like they were only there yeah. for two days. So maybe they got sick on the plane or something. I don't know. Yeah, and like I'm assuming, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their actual journey there was or anything like that. So, yeah. Anyway, it sounds like after three years, we probably will never know. Disappointing. (laughs) So, those are the vacation nightmares that we had for this episode. Um, Like I said earlier, this happens so frequently. There's so many crazy stories. I've even just like thought of more that we could do while reading about these ones. And even this week, there's been like maybe maybe in the last two weeks, there's been at least two more that I can think of, like that one in Iowa where the, the family was shot one. in their tent. Like that, that, that's crazy. That's horrible. I know that one's so in a scary. national park, like a totally random, and it seems like it was a totally random shooting. So I feel like this is an ongoing series that we can do. Yeah, so we'll keep doing it. Any other ones that you guys can think of? It doesn't have to necessarily be a crime, like even just like the weird deaths, like we've been talking about. But yeah, send them through to us on Instagram. We'll compile them. And if you guys like these kinds of episodes, let us know because I'm interested in them. It's like a yeah, weird it's like, niche. It's like, I'd always like, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but even things like when we flew from Sydney to LA, which is a 14 hour flight, I, you always hear stories, for example, about people who pass away on a plane and they just cover them up. Like imagine if you were sitting next to that person. My sister <laughs> just went on the cruise she just went on a cruise to alaska and two people had to get medevaced off the cruise ship oh my gosh like by the coast guard and i know that cruise ships have a morgue as well because if you're in the middle of the ocean what yeah. can you do you can't just pull over and get the person off yeah so it's crazy all these things you never really think of but that i'm sure happen very regularly but yeah like i promised in the beginning we're going to talk about um also the updates with chrissy lee powell who we talked about last episode All right, so just as a little tiny bit of background, if you haven't listened to the episode, Chrissy went missing on July 5 from her home in San Antonio, Texas. Um, She basically was running late for work. I think she called her employer around 10 or 10.30 a.m. to say that she was on her way and she was seen on her ring doorbell footage leaving, looked like she was kind of dressed for work, had her handbag and was rushing. But we learned that she left her phone, her Apple Watch and her medication behind. Um, so it was all kind of a little bit mysterious. We recorded the episode for her and maybe a day or two after we recorded, we found out that her body had actually been found. It was found on Saturday, July 23, um, in her vehicle in a parking lot in San Antonio. Um, Christy drove a 2020 Nissan Rogue and her body was found in the passenger seat. So she wasn't in the driver's seat. She was found in the passenger seat. 
um, and it was found in the Dubna Oaks Centre Mall. I have seen some comments that say it was parked between a Chipotle and another like steakhouse restaurant. So it seems like this is a huge, enormous kind of mall shopping centre um, with you know lots of different shops. The security guard approached the car after he had noticed it had been parked there for at least a week and he said that he noticed a foul odour coming from the vehicle. So the mall where her um, car was found is around four miles away or a 10-minute drive from her home. It wasn't like there's a map that we posted at the time. It's not really on her route to work. It's kind of in a almost an L shape, like she could have driven a much more direct route to work, but she for some reason pulled over in this parking lot. Um, police have said that the security guard looked inside the vehicle and observed a body in the front passenger side seat and called 911. The windows of the vehicle were, vehicle were closed. Um, there was no signs of trauma to Chrissy's body and her purse had her ID and that was also in the car. It says it was not immediately clear if any medication or writings were discovered at the scene. Hmm. Um, so I can't like I know that the security guard has said that she was there for at least a week we still don't know how long her car was actually there for if she was there the whole entire time which I suspect she probably was Um, uh, temperatures during the time that she went missing reached the 90s if not higher so I I feel like her body condition would have been horrible yeah so gross Um, like the decomposition in a hot car in the sun. Like it's not a covered parking lot or anything. It's just, you know, where you pull up and get out. It would have been not. Yeah, would have been not. roasting. I wonder if that, because I know you are saying it was like a big shopping center, but I wonder if it was normal for cars to like be parked there overnight, like if there's anything open super late. Because I feel like, sure, during the day, it's hard to keep track of what cars are there and what cars aren't. But like at night when there's no other cars there, wouldn't hers kind of stand out? Yeah, I don't think so. But maybe, I don't know, maybe they got a 24-hour Walmart or something. It's crazy. And I also wonder if the security guard said that it had been there for at least a week when it probably had been there a lot longer because – Just to make him not look as bad. Yeah, like he should have been doing checks or, you know, someone should have been checking. Um, You know, I feel like it would be easy enough for a car to remain there for a long time and for no one to notice. Yeah, unless someone noticed at night. Like sometimes, like, I live on – a main street that people park on a lot and the cars are always changing but sometimes I'll notice like if a car's been in a spot for a couple days because I'll notice it at night when there's not as many cars around I'm like oh there's that car I'm like oh the next day that car's still there yeah it's crazy and I like I know a lot of people have said what do they think happened like maybe because she was in the passenger seat it was speculated that she was dumped there um you know someone she maybe died of an overdose in the car and someone drove the car and got out and dumped her there um, could be. They're, they have performed an autopsy on her. They did the autopsy on Monday. Um, it's, the medical examiner said the cause and manner of her death were not immediately available as they are pending further tests and studies. I guess the media asked what the further testing was, but the spokesperson wouldn't say. I'm assuming it's toxicology. Yeah. Um, what, like what else would it be essentially? Um, I know, yeah. as I said, the condition of her body would probably make it harder to determine a cause of death but I feel like they're definitely waiting for toxicology yeah I mean um, it could be a murder or something but I feel like it's probably a suicide I feel like yeah I I'd, I think it would be a suicide I like, or like accidental I, well I just feel like the accidental thing would be weird because would she really get in the passenger seat 
like I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess it could be. Maybe she stopped and just pulled over to take the drugs. But then I don't know it just seems weird. The whole passenger seat thing is weird. If it was an accidental overdose and it wasn't, she didn't mean to do it. Maybe she like overheated in her car or something. I don't know. Yeah. And I know the family also were very adamant throughout all the media kind of appeals that Chrissy was in desperate need of medication. It's like she she is left without medication that she needs. She would need doctor's attention. They still yeah. haven't said what that was for. My speculation and suspicion is that she may have had mental illness. Hmm. Um, yeah, and like it could, obviously it could be something else, but my theory at this time is that it was probably an intentional overdose, especially based on the things that we spoke about, how it was the one-year anniversary of the son being removed from her care. Her um, ex was being like, Rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> Rowdy. Um, yeah. So I think that we will find out how she passed away. It might take months because if that's how long it takes for toxicology these days. Um, but it doesn't sound like she definitely wasn't shot. She wasn't stabbed if there was no trauma to her body. So um, I hope we'd find out more about if the car was there the whole time because if it wasn't, I have a whole bunch of more questions. Yeah. But I feel like it probably likely was. Yeah, I'm sure that there must be cameras in the parking lot there. Surely. Or there'd be cameras close by, so they'd be able to identify when the car drove there. I feel like there would be definitely cameras. Yeah, especially if it's like a bigger mall type thing. So it's a sad but not um, totally unexpected outcome for Chrissy. Let us know what you guys think of her case, like what your thoughts and theories are. I'd be interested to hear them. You can message us on Instagram. We'll keep posting about it. Um, I don't. I mean, I guess there could be an update by the time this episode comes out, but if there is, it. we'll talk about it in the next episode. <laughs> um, and the only thing I could think of is like, because the test wouldn't be back yet, but maybe for some reason they'd be able to like deem her death a suicide or something, like if there's other evidence. But I doubt it. I think we'll be waiting a little bit, but that's it for this episode. So... <laughs> um, you guys can check out all the different stories, pictures, everything on the blog at truecrimesocietyblog.com. Everything will be up there about all the different cases. Like I said, always, if there's other vacation stories you want to hear us talk about, send us some suggestions. You can follow us on Instagram, even though we are shadow banned, hopefully not for long. So if you don't <laughs> follow us and you do want to follow us, just type in True Crime Society, the full thing, and search that and we'll come up and you can follow us. Um, our personal accounts aren't shadow banned, so mine's hopefully. Steph's I haven't even checked, so hopefully. <laughs> True, because they are like linked kind of. <laughs> Mine is Steph Sum underscore and Olivia's is TCS Olivia. They're both in the bio of the True Crime Society one. So if you want to see what we're up to, see my exciting vacation. Um, Olivia's puppies, the kidnas, mm. <laughs> the book she's reading. <laughs> um, the food I'm eating mm, <laughs> drinks are drinking, drinking. drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so check you can check all that out rate the podcast on Apple if you haven't you can do it on Spotify too leave us a review big help to us um, and share the podcast if you know anyone else that likes true crime let them know about this cool podcast or whatever just help us out it's a big help to us when you guys share check out any of our sponsors all the links are in the show notes and that's it we'll talk to you guys next week thanks for listening peace out